0: All right. Welcome to this edition of Firefighting Fridays. I'm Jeff Diedrich with Strategic Fire Training. And today's panel, of course, we have Jeff Shoup, Jerry Knapp, Chad Gruber, and Micah Heideman running out. And uh, today's topic is talking about the, the, the unusual call for the engine company. Some of the things that we got to tackle going in first as an engine and solving different or bigger problems with just the simple equipment we have on the engine. So just getting started with a myriad of different calls and experiences. Um, Jeff, can you start us out with where you want to go with this tonight?
1: Well, I can can start out by saying no fire department exists without an engine. So since there's about 68,000 or so engines across the country and about 6,700 ladders, you can see where engines have the greater possibility of ending up at Special incidents other than fires. So, uh, you know, you can see what's happened with some departments that don't have a uh, good access to a large number of resources. So they take their engines and they turn them into something other than an engine, as we have talked about in the past. So you start seeing engines with bigger compartmentation, with all this equipment and so forth to handle different situations. So uh, I was. I was kind of hoping that we could talk a little bit about different situations, which I think we will, but also about different fire situations. So I know I, with a couple of you guys uh, this past week, I discussed a couple of those uh, ideas. So I think I, I don't know. I hope that's a good start to yeah. uh, get us in the right frame of mind. So yeah,
0: I like it. Uh, all right, good. Well, Hey, Jerry. Mm-hmm. I want to go first? What's uh, what's some of the unusual or I guess off-center uh, calls you've been on with an engine?
2: Well, let me bring up a couple slides here. It's probably a pictures worth a thousand words. So, uh, let's see. So the engine, there's a hydro right in front of his house. Um, <clears throat> the there's about four or five solar panels on fire. Um, <clears throat> just a solar panel. Um, we got a guy inside. There was nothing in the attic. So I have a 15, 16 smoothbore nozzle in a driveway, and I'm like, well, probably not good to put that on an electrical fire, which is what this is. So I'm like, well, I got to do something. So I pointed the, the nozzle straight up in the air and um, made it rain and shut the nozzle off so I didn't have a continuous <laughs> flow back to the uh, um you know, back to the nozzle of electricity, and I am having a hard time advancing these. Let's see. So, oh yeah, okay. it was. I was kind of over here. That's not me. That's somebody else. But I was over here in the driveway with. The, here's a the line, right? So I just pointed it up in the air and and shut it on and off a few times and, and let it rain. I mean, it's 180 gallons a minute coming down. So it kind of rained on that and uh, knocked the fire down. We gave it a little uh, spritz underneath the eave here just to. Uh, just to be sure that, you know, it wasn't extended into the attic. Um, this, obviously, an aerial view, you can see there's probably, I don't know, three or six, three to six panels that were burning. And it was one, one of those things where, like, you got to do something, um, you know. You just can't stay in there and let the house burn down. Yeah. But So, any questions or discussion on that?
0: Well, I, what's the uh... – What's the makeup of these solar panels? Mostly uh, like a plastic or acrylic material, or
2: yeah, you know, I don't really know. Uh, maybe you guys, maybe you guys can shed a little more light on that than, than I can.
3: Yeah, I, I, I don't. Really
2: we've know. only got about 160
1: days of sunlight, Jeff. So we don't see much of this. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, we've had about three, I think, this winter. So uh, we 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 getting rain like crazy. But anyway, yeah. So. I don't know if that's a recommended practice or not. I can tell you it worked this time. Um, You know, I didn't get – I guess a couple important things to remember is that these residential solar panels, a typical residential solar system, uh, generates about 600 volts. So, you know, if you get an attic fire or second-floor fire, um, you want to be sure these are turned off. And obviously, you can't turn them off unless there's either a heavy black tarp on it or – Or something so if you got guys overhauling in in the attic excuse me your second floor or wherever these high voltage lines come down that's 600 volts it's dc so you're not getting a second chance so i just guess one of the things i'd remind guys is that's some that's some pretty serious juice um jerry i i I got questions about that Mm -hmm. are you saying these are storage batteries no if there's light on the panels, there's somewhere around 600 volts coming down through the wiring to wherever it goes. So if that wiring <clears throat> comes down through the house, um, going to okay, the
0: battery bank,
2: to the, yeah, to the battery bank or the meter or whatever, um, you don't want guys messing around that wire. It's 600 volts DC. Uh, it'll cause you to clamp on, you know, if you got a metal pipe pole, a metal hook, you know, uh, Halligan, whatever kind of kind of a bad day.
3: Hmm.
0: Yeah, there should be a transfer switch uh, mm-hmm. somewhere on that system that would interrupt or break the the flow of electricity into the house. But you know where that is and who hooked it up and is mm-hmm. it reliable? I mean, yeah, anybody's guess.
2: So Jeff brings up a good point. The transfer switch in this unit was down where my cursor is down low. So those wires that were coming down through the attic and second and first floor were still energized. So Jeff, to your point, it could be de-energized here, but it's hot above that. Yeah. Kind of crazy stuff. So I got a punchline. Um, I found this stuff called PV stop photovoltaic stop. Um, And it, it's a two and a half gallon extinguisher. It sprays like a, uh, I don't know, rubberized kind of a heavy paint, right? Um, onto the panels and it shuts them off. So we this was a solar panel we had at the training center and, and we bought a few of these PV stop extinguishers and decided to use one. And see if I can get this video to play. Uh So hmm. that's coming out of extinguishers. It's got about a 30 foot range. Uh we're putting we're putting way too much on. Uh, what we learned doing this is if you're going to use one of these things, uh, that much PV stop was probably good for three or four panels. Um, so we just didn't know any better. This was our first shot. So we, if you, if you're using this thing really kind of like using a fire nozzle, move the nozzle around and, uh, this stuff, um, sticks on like a rubberized coating completely shuts off the power from the solar panel and when it's dry it dries in about five minutes you can just peel it off like a kind of like a rubber glove or something so it doesn't it doesn't damage the undamaged panels
0: oh that's pretty interesting
2: yeah it's pretty cool
0: and it's commercially yeah. available jerry
2: it is uh if you go to pv stop it was invented by an australian uh electrical engineer actually um fdny has experimented with it they've they bought some i forget which units they put it on but uh um, they had a fire at a solar panel vehicle charging station. And because they couldn't stop the electricity, they couldn't stop the fire. So they called. I think maybe Hazmat has this. I'm not sure. Anyway, they called them, sprayed it, you know, kind of turned the electric off and, you know, with the PV stop and, uh, uh, you know, allowed the electrical fire to go out. So,
0: oh, great <laughs> idea.
2: Do you know anything about the extinguisher then? You get that you
1: guys had like how much weight it carries and can it, it looks like a regular water water uh,
2: pressurized water extinguisher. Mm-hmm. What do you it, just hook an air chuck up to it and no, recharge it? No, it's it's just like a, a PW. One shot? Yeah, it's it's preloaded. Pull the pin, you know, aim, squeeze, what is it? Point aim, squeeze, sweep. So hmm. um <clears throat> the bad news is they're not refillable. I want to say they're 400 bucks a piece. Okay. Um, but, um, I you don't know it's just something new uh I kind of kind of like to experiment with it, and you know that kind of stuff.
4: you know that might be a good thing. I know we're supposed to be talking about engines, but where I am, we have a lot of those solar panels on the roof, like you are, like you just showed us.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: Just put it in the bucket of your truck, mm-hmm. get
2: up above it and spray it down, hmm sure, yep. mm-hmm. yeah, be excellent, hmm. So that—that's my two cents. So,
1: yeah. So I—I I guess I'm—I'm I'm questioning. So those things are charged if there's light on them. If there's light on them.
4: Mm-hmm. Wow.
1: Yep. Yeah, we never you, dealt with those in the city.
4: You could see the little white lines on it that it was knocking out on the, your video, Jerry. Mm-hmm. You could see the grid system in there, mm-hmm. and then it was totally covering it.
2: Yeah. seems to cover really well like i said we we gobbed it up way too much we we just didn't know um but it seems like uh oh seems like something to think about
0: if at all you literally get anything out of that one it's if you can cover the panels you can stop the electricity so correct it's a a charging station and you can get a tarp over it
2: Mm -hmm.
0: you probably shut the electricity off you know Mm -hmm.
1: what's the weight of those Without any fire. It's just 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 as they sit up there in the roof. Yeah. Because is there anything you know, like for example, you take a look at these houses today with the truss roofs, and if there's fire in the attic, is there any
2: weight that's gonna uh no it be, be causing these? That panel I wanna say was three by eight or four by eight. It probably weighs twenty pounds, fifteen pounds. I mean it's not it's very uh. thin. Yeah. yeah, it's really not much to it. It's got an aluminum frame around it. Uh, a quick internet
4: search says that they average forty pounds.
2: Okay.
0: Yeah, I I would think that the bigger hazard is the battery bank somewhere in that house. Mm-hmm. And if there's a fire going on somewhere in or around that area, that's going to be the that's going to be the choker right there.
2: I just saw an ad today. Our utility company is giving away free battery packs to homeowners. So, you know, probably same thing happening in other guys' areas as well. Yeah. Wow. I don't know. Somebody
4: calls me at least once a week asking if I want to convert to solar power.
2: Mm-hmm. Sure. Same here.
0: Yeah, not here. A lot of sun <laughs> down here. A lot of sun.
2: Oh, no. We don't we have a lot of sun. We have a lot of liberals. So. No. <laughs>
0: That explains the free batteries. Yeah. Somebody paid yeah, for yeah. them, right? Yeah.
2: Whoa. Yeah. Ray pay, the rate payers are paying for them, you know? Oh. <laughs> Actually, I, I can't resist I saying this. We we had a, a planning meeting with the local utility, and the guy was very proud that he had a, an electric car, and he insisted it was zero emissions. So, when I said, well, where does electricity come from? You know, he goes, oh, no, it's zero emissions. And I go, oh, yeah, I got it. Yeah.
3: So where did
1: they come up with the idea that a zero emissions they're talking about the but, end result
2: i, I, I agree
1: trying to you know they're not telling you what it takes to get to that end result all the other stuff that's happening
2: some somebody's burning something and making steam and spinning a generator to make his electricity he's using yeah but uh uh, that's okay. We're yeah. creating we,
1: a job for firemen in the
2: future. We we probably shouldn't go there. So Yeah, let's not <laughs> digress too much. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, Chad or Micah, you guys got any oddball left or right or center calls with your engines that you can think of before we move on to the next one?
3: Chad, now that's you. Uh,
4: the only thing that I have I mean, in our city, we have a little bit of everything, but The only thing that takes us out is that we're an airport. Our engines have to respond to the airport, and that like, well, I mean, we have a big crash truck too. Shoots actually seen our crash truck; it's enormous. Um, But uh, you know, it's different because you know. I think I've been lucky. I've only been on maybe five or seven plane, five to seven plane crashes in my whole career, and (laughs) only. Oh, yeah. Well, you, when you're on an airport, I mean, that's not that bad over 25 years. Uh, you know, I'm averaging one every five years. Uh, and it's a it's a learning airport, so there's a lot of student pilots. So, uh, you know, once it crashes and is on fire, it's a fire. And we do have some 737s. The RF truck takes precedent. What you have to do when we're on the engine, we have to pull up beside because if it's a bigger airplane, since it's – we never know what's coming in. It could be a 737. They're not chartered, so there's nobody paying to be on them. So they're private planes. But if there's smoke in there, then the engine company just acts like an engine company goes in through the door and has to put it out quickly. So the big deal there is just trying to stay out of the way of the crash truck. Cause they're gonna protect they're gonna protect the egress if there is if there are people going out, and then the engine has to be ready to go in
0: with their lines. Gotcha. Yeah, that's a whole other different flavor that's, or something. That's a whole different world.
1: I was yeah. going to say, tell us about your extinguishing capabilities or what you use, from, especially from your ARF
0: truck. Hey, Jeff, can you move your mic up a little bit? There you go. Okay. Did you hear, did you
1: guys hear me that time?
0: Yeah, so the ARF truck is a 1,500-gallon truck.
4: Um, I want to say I haven't been on it in a while, but it, it's got around 100 gallons of foam on it um you can do water you can do water foam you can do dry chem. they're really kind of trying to shut us down on the foam right now so oh god yeah Yeah. so i mean it has to be but you know if you hit something with 1500 gallons in 90 seconds which is how long it takes to get rid of all that water something's got to go out (laughs) you know the big hangar crash we had a couple years ago it you know once the arf got there it was pretty much over and then it just became a regular structure firefight, firefight. Gotcha.
1: So on the airfield itself, where the runways are, yes, sir. do you have the below grade hydrants?
4: Uh, no, we have six hydrants on the, they're not on the runway. There's like one at each end. And then there's off the taxiways you can get to the hydrants. Okay. So once, once you get the RF truck there, you're going to have to, you know, we've, or bring another one to come in and right. once it's not if you're not chasing the plane, once the plane stops, you're pretty much gonna have to hook into whatever it is. And that could be a pretty long lay depending on where it hits.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. And what kind of supply lines would you use then? Just the we'd, standard we'd supply lines? lines?
4: We'd use okay. lines. Okay. And uh, you know, and there's a big and you and I've talked about this, there's a big discussion on whether we need foam on the engines. You know, we've always had foam on our engine. I think engine one-on-one has a thousand gallon tank with 50 of it being foam that you can, you know, proportion out. And I've just kind of said, you know, I know we have the airport with everything they're going. We really don't use foam that much on the engine. I'd rather just, and if if it's that bad, we're probably going to be doing it with our deck gun. And uh, I just said, you know, we've talked about it. If you need foam, just give me a five gallon bucket of foam. I'll batch mix the whole tank. And just you won't phone turn on anything. So good yeah. way to
1: clean out the inside of it and all the seals of your pump.
4: Yeah, you're gonna be there for a while flowing, so you're gonna have to flush for a long time. But anything yeah. that we're doing that on, you're gonna have to flush yeah. anyway for a long, you're gonna be flowing for a long time. It's like one of the three-day fires that Dietrich talks about. <laughs> You'll have
0: time to flush it out. Yeah, those do take a long time. All right, cool. Uh, I got a couple examples I'm going to try to go over. Oh, we um, miss Micah.
2: Here's miss Micah there, yeah, Jeff.
0: Micah, do you want to, you want to chime in? <laughs> Man, no. I'm,
3: I don't really have much to share besides what we always have talked about, the troubles of water access and water supply. Okay. I think of a fire recently that it was more complicated. Uh, maybe a locomotive. Oh. Well most catch on fire and
1: uh, yeah. B S and
2: F.
3: That's
1: Jerry, a, yeah. you Jerry did you wrote an article on that years ago.
2: Yeah, I, I teamed yeah. up with a couple guys from the railroad. Um but make a long story short, they the railroad guys described the locomotive as a substation on wheels. Exactly. Deep, yeah. yeah. Good go ahead, Micah. No, that's
3: that's exactly right. And fortunately this locomotive that was on fire, it was just in the wheel bearings down in the brake area on the axle, So uh, that was an easy hit. However, a week later, there was another locomotive that got on fire and that was more complicated. Just like what you said, Jerry, it's, it's a substation on wheels and Mm -hmm. I wouldn't want to be on that nozzle hitting that with the
2: solid stream. No, no. The, uh, our CSX locomotives, which is the main line that runs through the County here. If there's a lightning bolt below the engineers uh, window, that's thirty thousand volts. Oh Jesus. So, yeah, yeah. So that diesel generator spins a uh, spin that diesel uh, engine spins a generator. And yeah. um yeah. there's there's some juice there. Yeah. Yeah. The good the good news is there's a shutoff on each side of the locomotive. There's a red typical emergency mm-hmm. shutoff. Uh you have to hold that till the engine stops because there's a fuel cutoff. And there's one behind the uh, uh engineer stand in the in the cab as well. It's just typical red, you know, emergency shut off but shut yeah. off for, shut off before you put water on it
3: which I, I'm kind of surprised these new locomotives are coming out they don't have a suppression system on them I asked, yeah. like do you get to have any kind of clean agent suppression system <laughs> no no <laughs> no, no. <laughs> millions of dollars of commerce but <laughs> uh, no
2: yeah and there's 5,000 so. 5,000 5, gallons of diesel sitting underneath it like 3 inches off the tracks you know no
1: kidding
3: man
2: so. I was just
1: going to ask what the volume is for their fuel tank.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's wow. It's it's a missile on wheels.
2: <laughs> it's a heavy missile on wheels.
0: Yeah. 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 Ask Cincinnati, so, Ohio about that one, yeah.
2: Yeah, so I mean, recently that's
3: been the more special ops of an engine company. But in, in my short time here at this fire department, it's uh Water access is more challenging. Like you can throw any special ops at any engine company, it all goes to hell if you don't have water. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> so I, I was I was just having a discussion today with a fireman, Jeff. You know him, uh, about what we learned out in Iowa with those big engine tankers. I think they got about 3,000 gallons of of water in their tank, and they build an engine. And then they build the engine around it, like the four-door cab, the side-mounted pump panel, the cross-lays, and then the top of the hose beds, and that's it. Those things are huge. So I was showing him a picture of of what we uh, trained with uh, several years ago when we used to go to Iowa. And uh, I says, you know, these guys are set up for – agricultural fires in some of those farms you're going to drive down a dirt road maybe a mile to get back into those farms and so forth so they have all these big hydrants on wheels send them, sending them in you know to go in there initially
2: So
4: Jerry would not be able to reach the hand lines on those
2: no no. <laughs> I have to so, stand on your shoulders Chad
4: <laughs> I don't think I could reach the hand the hand lines on those that's what you got <laughs> the loops for yeah big
3: loops <laughs> so. Dietrich what you got man sure. I'm
0: curious. well just a couple different uh things here so what you're looking at there is uh a young firefighter with an SCBA tank and he's uh puts the uh, threads into that nozzle, opens up the bale, and you open up that tank and lo and behold, you make that uh, fire hose full of air and you close the nozzle and now Mm. you have a buoyant, uh, somewhat rigid uh, fire hose. If you you have that call where you got uh, somebody's driven into the uh, retention pond behind Walmart, or maybe there's a pond or a flooded uh, underpass, and there's a way to, to stretch a line beyond the person that's in trouble you could send somebody with the the nozzle in that tank and uh you can make sure that the the hose will float and then maybe you could pull each end around so that uh the victim can grab it you know maybe you can you know have you ever heard the the moniker you're gonna reach throw and row before you go right you don't want to get into the water unless you absolutely have to this is a way to reach them or throw to them. And, you know, if uh, if you can stretch that line, you know, beyond them, then you can uh, maybe try this. So different ways of doing it. Uh, I've seen companies where they have specific fittings um, so that they can, you know, rip off, you know, a few hundred feet and they'll use like their pneumatic uh tools that you know some people have either the Paratech system or some kind of lifting bags where they have uh, a setup to use pneumatics and then they would just get the fittings they need for hoses but this here is just about what every fire department could or should have which is a smoothbore nozzle and an SCBA tank and um that's about all it takes mm. you know to fill up that line
2: that's pretty cool mm.
0: hey Dietrich, how
4: how much hose how many feet will that fill will one bottle fill do you know
0: well the the inch and three quarter i mean i've seen 400 feet filled up no problem uh it's all about volume i think if you went with two and a half you might have to do some experimenting um but you know we we have the back of our engines are are set up like a war wagon you know we we have 700 feet of inch and three quarter at our disposal off the back. Plus, we have some cross crosslays with cobwebs that we could put in service if we needed to as well. So, how do you how do you plug it? You just put a cap on the other end. Uh, you can just plug it right to your pump. Okay. Or to a gated Y and shut it, or whatever. Yeah. Pretty simple little thing that could help you in a jam if you got somebody in the water somewhere that you need to get something to them, you know,
2: do, do you have to wrap that around Jeff, or can you just shoot it out straight to them? Cause it's going to float straight out
0: the threads of the, uh, cylinder.
2: No, I mean the whole, the, after you inflate it to get it to the victim, can you just float it straight out to them? Yeah. I mean, depending on your situation and current. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Or you could, uh, you know, if you can walk somebody around the pond mm. with that hose line, um, and then they could fill it up once they get on the other side of the pond. And then it's just a matter of pulling it around and kind of snatching them up.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Just a different way to, to get to somebody. Yep. We've taken a rope and secure the
3: bale and take it, you know, throw the rope bag across. That's how
2: pull, pull the hose across. Yeah. I guess you could use it for ice rescue too, right? Just push it, push it out across the ice, right? Yeah, yeah, Um,
0: yeah. ice rescue, water, yeah. Anything, anything you gotta like really get to somebody? It's kind of far away. It's, it's an option. Hmm. Yeah, give it it a try and mess around with it, man. It's, it's, it's surprisingly Hmm. simple. I don't think we'll have an ice problem down here, but no. Well, you do actually once a year. You do.
2: We, we we seem to remember some texting really complaining about ice. What a year ago we, were, we heard some whining and crying going on. Yeah, I don't yeah. Know.
1: <laughs> we, we we wanted to feel sorry for him, but no, it just nah. went there.
4: I'm sorry, I do not recall.
1: <laughs> hey, and FYI, so you were asking about volume of the the hose sure. and uh, how much air. Jeff, are these forty cubic foot cylinders? Is that what they hold approximately? Yeah. Yeah. Huh? Yes. Okay. Uh there's two hundred and thirty-one cubic inches of water in a gallon. So if we're looking at replacing that with air, uh there's a, in a what the heck is it? A uh what would we say? A fifty foot length of inch and three quarter weighs about fifty-three pounds
3: right divide yeah. that 53, 56 pounds
1: yeah yeah so so, uh, so divide that by your 8.3 and you'll see you know you only got a, a few few uh, gallons of water in there in that 50 foot length of hose uh, that, convert that to air so you can see that cylinder right there is going to give you like jeff said you can go 400 feet with no problem Especially for the inch and three quarter O's. So, like I say, just an FYI.
0: Yeah, appreciate the math so, real quick there.
1: Yeah. Wow. I'm a public school graduate.
0: <laughs> back, back when
4: school <laughs> worked barely. I didn't even try that. that, that barely. Seems like pure D witchcraft to me.
0: But <laughs> speaking Poor of witchcraft. <laughs> uh, this, speaking of witchcraft, this next photo there's some firefighters with some ropes and a ground ladder. Um, I would think that there are some companies out there that that initially get taught to do some type of, you know, vertical rescue using the ladder as a gin pole type scenario here. Uh, we're, we're using rope as guy lines to tie it back to the engine and then just any kind of simple mechanical advantage you may have at your disposal. Um, not sure what's going on. In everybody's town but we do carry a fair amount of rope equipment we do have a park system in our first do we do uh, i would say three to a half dozen park rescues a year and um so this stuff comes off our engine quite a bit so with that our crews are practiced and you know i have them work on three different knots and that's it um we tie as little as possible and pre-rig wherever we can but um clove figure eights and bolins will get you through just about anything you really need to do
2: thank you and man. in
0: this example here we've got the 24 footer uh butted at the uh the rear tire of the engine uh we're using one piece of rope as a as a guy line it's tied back Then there's a couple of figure eights that are looped around the beams of the ladder
2: hey, Jeff, we're, we're not we're still not still on the air bottle. Slide.
0: what's that i'm still on the air bottle slide are you really? I'm looking yeah. at this
2: other one. I think if you double click on a slide, that's what I had to do. Oh, yeah. there, there you go.
3: go.
0: Okay. Yeah. So you can see how this that blue rope is our is one rope and then the orange is the other. So pretty simple setup for us. Yeah. Uh, just a couple of knots and some rope here and we're ready to go. We're ready to pull something up out of that uh, that sewer uh, vault right there underneath the truck. Just a quick down and dirty throw the three to one. Yeah, you're pulling it up. There's not a break. There's not a belay. But if you're trying to yank somebody up six, eight feet and there's four of you standing there, this is something that's absolutely possible. So... All things considered, you know, if it's a confined space, is it? are they engulfed, are they, you know, taken by some uh, oxygen deprivation or did they just fall down the ladder and break their leg? You know, what's the case uh, as far as getting somebody up and out of there? So initial engine company could really make a difference here on getting somebody up out of a jam. And uh, the possibilities are, are, you know, there's quite a few. Or you may need to do something like this. So even if it's just lifting something heavy off of somebody, you could you could potentially get that done here. This would work better with a 4-to-1 versus a 3-to-1, but I just asked my firefighters to come up with a, a mechanical advantage. And they train a lot on just setting up that 3-to-1 Z-drag, so that's what they did. So, okay, good enough. If you need to pull somebody up a few feet, you could definitely do it.
2: So. Jeff, I saw at FDIC a couple of years ago, a thing called a sling link.
0: Yeah, that's it's... been out for a long time. That was a uh, mm. Jim McCormick uh, child, I believe, when I was doing writ back in the early 2000s quite a bit. That's where I found it. It was called a mast sling device from the, mm-hmm. I believe, in the military. and um, The fire service one is multi-looped. It's five loops of webbing, different colors uh red for the legs and yellow for the arms and a green for a overhead cinch and it works really well mm-hmm. especially in a hasty harness situation like this they're perfect mm-hmm. and uh we keep one of those with our RIT kit and that is absolutely what we would use in this situation if we had to get down and put put it on somebody to, to get them up and over something
3: mm-hmm.
0: it's a great device
4: Another thing that device is good for is the bag that you keep the sling link in mm-hmm. is really good for your hydrant, uh, your water can rope bag. Yep, it is. It's perfect. You can put that, you can put that case right on your strap for your water can and hold 50 feet of rope really well.
0: Yeah. Hey, if you can't do at least two things with it, it's worthless in the fire service. So. No. Oh. <laughs>
1: Boy, I've learned something here.
0: There you go, boss.
1: <laughs> hey, I got a question for you, and this goes back a long time. You see where your ladder's tied off on the engine? Yeah. You have any preference or any reason to tie it off to whatever? If you remember, a lot of the old engines had the eye hooks, the big, you know, what they one one and a quarter inch. Uh, bolted things that would sit in the bumpers of your engines. They're you know, like tow hooks is what they are. Yeah. In the front and the rear. And you know, guys told me when I was uh, learning this stuff to stay away from the grab rails. Don't tie off to them. What's your right. take on that?
0: Absolutely. I think the grab rails are they're only rated for Maybe a hundred pounds of pull, and they're ah. subjected to all the weather and corrosion. And um, this particular setup here is on the overhead ladder rack, which is not only hydraulically powered, but it has pneumatic uh, steel pins that, when you put it in the lock position, the steel yeah. pins go all the way through this uh, steel channeling. So that thing ain't going anywhere. Um, okay. Yeah yeah okay well done yeah you can see how this rope i don't know if you could tell but there's a figure eight on a bite yeah here there's a few arm lengths between it and then there's another figure eight and a bite and that's all we're using to just go over the tips of the ladder there and it makes it makes a nice uh long angled area for the mechanical advantage to hook to um you're not you're not on the rungs um the rope is is taking that force and splitting it so it works really well witchcraft right Mm -hmm. rope stuff
1: (laughs) does she have a pointed head? (laughs) what's that no never
0: mind (laughs)
3: Uh.
0: so just a couple different looks at different things to do on the engine i one of the other topics I, I could bring up is uh, going on hazmat calls with uh, your engine when you're first doing on a hazmat call. Uh, man, don't, don't be in a hurry. Get off your engine. And if you do, make sure your gloves are on and your air pack's on and you're ready to turn your mask, put your mask on, because I uh, had a couple of calls over the years going to some chemical companies. And when you see workers doing the zombie walk off the property, you better... Pay attention to that and keep yourself out of harm's way. Now, setting up mass decon, a perimeter. These are things that as a first do engine, you may have to do maybe even divert a flow of something that's coming out of a tank. Have to think about some options, how you might want to do that. Whether it's set out some large diameter, cap it and fill it, you can make a little dike and try and keep some flow in a certain area. I mean, there's. It depends on on the go-gettingness of the the crew that's there. We're all supposed to be tuned up to an operations level here in Ohio, but maybe it's different where you're at, and you got to be a technician. And if that's the case, then you really should have an idea of what you would do rolling up first. due on a hazmat call.
1: I think a lot of that comes back to once again your training and so forth. Checking where the wind is approach from the uphill upwind side just as a matter of you know a fact of doing it coming in that way
2: so
0: yeah jerry you've got a lot of experience with hazmat what's some of the things you might have said over the years to engine company crews
2: this is one of my favorites i've been in the department i guess about a year and we were doing a walkthrough of the local chemical company so i was all bright-eyed and bushy tail right and uh I see this spherical tank. It's probably 30 or 40 feet high. And uh, you know, that's pretty cool. And this company made, um, uh, you know, they mix chemicals and it was a precursor. They would send it down a line for, you know, uh, another company to to use. <clears throat> so I noticed around this tank, there's a post and like a little birdhouse. And I, I said, it was like four or five of these around that tank, you know? So I asked the, I go, I don't get the birdhouse thing. Oh, the guy's like, oh, I'm really glad to ask. That's our cyanide tank. So if that's leaking, when you come racing down here, go to the birdhouse, get the flare gun, and light it on fire because that makes it non-toxic. So about then I'm going, I don't know about this fireman thing. You know, this, is, <laughs> this <laughs> probably isn't so good, you know. <laughs> but, uh, Whoa. Yeah, it's like, holy crap, you know. But, uh, you know, Jeff, to your point, you, you roll into a chemical company. These people work with this stuff all the time. Yeah. And and you know we're sometimes fat, dumb, and happy. And it's like, holy crap! You know, it's it's bad stuff. Yeah,
0: yeah. There shouldn't <laughs> be any surprises in your first two. So if there's one in there, you better it, have an idea of what you're going to do if uh, you're called there. Yeah, yeah. Have a plan. Work the plan.
2: You know, up by us, um, our engine companies. Pretty much everybody has a phone line, and and to to Chad's point. Uh, the five-gallon bucket of concentrate with a 95-gallon amenity ductor with the nozzle that matches it. I mean, I think that's, for us, that's, I don't know, that's an operation that every engine company should be able to be able to, to function with. And, and obviously, you got two, three, four, five buckets of foam. It's not going to last real long, you figure. Nope,
0: we lost, your lost
2: you. Lost you. Lost uh, you. Got me now?
4: Yeah. You got two, three gallon, but you got two, three, four, five gallons of foam. It's not going to last very long.
2: Okay. Thanks director. <laughs> so a couple of, um, you know, a couple of minutes per five gallon bucket at a hundred gallons a minute. But, uh, we train our guys to like, for example, at a gasoline tank, a truck, rollover or whatever, cut a rescue path, you know, try to save life with, you can, you know, if you can, um, Obviously, you got an automobile entrapment or something with fire. You know, you can use it there as well. But uh, a foam, a handline foam operation is a standard operation for us. A couple of important things: uh, generally around 200 psi going into the ductor because it's using so much energy to suck that foam out. And depending on what nozzle you got on the end, usually you want somewhere around 100 psi to generate some bubbles at the end. Um, so that's kind of a, a standard operation for us
0: what's some of the limitations though um you're talking about a hand line so we're putting firefighters in the engine within you know 400 feet of the the problem mm-hmm. so at what point do you look at the problem and say that's that's beyond our handline foam yeah. capability you mentioned but, the tanker or truck but
2: yeah i mean i mean that's the key you got to know what it's just like applying water to fire. You know, you don't use a booster line at a, at a structure fire because you don't have enough flow. Same thing with foam. Um, the good rule of thumb that, that I was taught was whatever your, your nozzle, your foam nozzle um, flow is put a zero on the end of it and it'll handle a spill fire of that square footage. Right. So if you got a 95 gallon in a nozzle, it'll handle nine, nine hundred fifty square feet of a spill fire, not in depth, which isn't a lot. What's that? You know, 20 by 50 is a thousand square feet, I guess. So you're right, Jeff, you got to know the limitation and it's something you got to practice with, just like you guys do with the rope. You know, I mean, that's great. You got those guys tuned into that. They need to be tuned into their, their phone line too, and and know what it can do and what it can't, you know, the other thing we see real quick, and I don't want to get carried away here, but um, when um, guys, if, you know, if, if they're, they don't think water is going to work, they put foam on it. Well, Foam is for flammable liquids, right? Foam is for flammable liquids. It's not for whatever you think, right? So it's kind of a specific tool that the engine. I think in our in our area, in my county, uh, you, you know, we we used to have flammable liquid pits at our training center, and, and guys would apply foam there, and, and it was just just something we did. Yeah, a couple of things.
1: Uh, number one, I'm a believer in the adductor what jeff brought up is a very important thing how long is an inch and three-quarter foam line supposed to be coming from the adductor to the mm-hmm. nozzle was it 150 feet
0: yeah that's the max
1: okay mm-hmm. so you have engines that have they, they they say they got foam capabilities and they got 200 foot preconnect. And the other thing is you pump, you're you right on, Jerry, about that 200 foot going into the adductor to draw out that concentrate.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And yet they're pumping at the old uh, pump mm-hmm. pressure.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So you're turning white water out there in a lot of cases. Okay. But the thing from a t- strategic and tactical standpoint, so we were talking earlier about coming into an incident, approach from the uphill, upwind side. And do you want to have your engine... And your people and all your people around that engine up that close to that problem. And that's where I'm a firm believer that no, we shouldn't have uh, built-in foam capabilities. We mm-hmm. should have that adductor on there. So we can hook it into like a two and a half stretch it to where we're going to operate and then mm-hmm. use your 150 feet of inch and three quarter off of that mm-hmm. to deliver that foam. But you know, you've, you've, you find so many cases and you've seen them over the years every every so often you see an engine that's burned up because they were right there in the spill zone or whatever, or the vapors took off, you know, and they couldn't get away. And you guys know the story. And uh, to me, that, that's, you know, one of the basics of the engine operations, being able to create a foam line at a distance. We talk about the two and a half and the, uh, it being the king of hose lines because of its versatility, now it can act as a supply line for that eductor. Mm -hmm. Down, down the way, you know? Mm -hmm. So, uh, the other thing is foam capabilities at one time. I don't know if they're still doing it, but we had several engines. I think it was 10 engines were set up with the big foam hydrofoam nozzles, the 500 gallon a minute nozzles. And, uh, they had the big pickup tube i think the 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 pickup tube was like an inch and a half so you guys talk about going through foam you know you had to have a, a like one of those little uh, blow up swimming pools and you filled it up and you had all these companies bringing their foam uh, buckets and dump them in there because just like that if you were going to go from one 5 gallon container to another well, your stream was going to go plop plop like that and uh you just wanted to have that consistency that you t- so you took something as simple as one of those swimming pools and marshal all your foam concentrate in there and then draw from that when you start your application
3: mm-hmm.
0: so, uh, those, yeah those lost arts man not a lot of people practicing anything like that now
2: you know? uh,
0: yeah. Here, i
2: go on Ron Gore from Jacksonville told yeah. me something a long while ago. He was a, a crusty uh, engine slash hazmat guy, and, and he called it the combined agent attack. You know, let's say you get a helicopter, news helicopter, something goes down, you got people trapped. There's fuel leaking. You know, maybe you got a car accident, industrial accident, whatever it might be. Use your use your fog spray in the engine to push that fire away. Use the dry chem. Uh, either combination with that or before or after it to knock down the fire. You get that quick knockdown with the dry chem. And then your third step is, you know, seal it up with with, with a little bit of foam you got. So you're using, you know, you had a couple of 20-pound dry chems on the rake. You, hopefully you got at least one – I'm not a big fog guy, but you got one fog nozzle for, for those yeah. kind of fires. And then, uh, you know, you got your foam nozzle. So three – those agents together can – or sequentially could do a do a pretty good job for an engine company it really you wouldn't think would have much flammable f- liquid firefighting capability you know
0: yeah yeah haven't heard about that yet that's that's a good one Someone
2: combined combined that. agent attack yeah yeah i like that but like the, the military use it for example i don't know if they're still using it like on aircraft carriers They'd have a foam line, and Chad probably knows more about this, but a foam line over a dry chem line or, or vice versa. I forget which is which. Yeah,
4: we have a your dry chem. is actually carried by the water line, and so it's got a dual okay. handle. Mm-hmm. So you turn on your water, and then you turn on your dry chem, and it carries in the center of the water. Wow. Yeah,
2: that's a great idea. So you get a little cooling, you get a little fast knockdown, you get a little bit of everything. In the
0: Purple K. Oh, boy. Yeah, I haven't heard Purple K in a long time. Yeah, Purple. It's not, a <laughs> not a Manhattan, Kansas. It's not a Kansas yeah. Bay thing. Not Michael. a
3: Kansas Purple K. Jesus, <laughs> <The> Mary <laughs> Harden Purple.
1: Can you guys see this?
0: What do you got there, Jeff?
1: It, it's a cutout from 1985. Can you guys hear me? Can, can you guys hear me?
0: Okay. Yeah. Now we can. Yeah.
1: It's it's a news clipping of an incident it uh, was on back in January of 1985. And if you're familiar with uh, downtown Cleveland, they got the river flats and down there, you know, they got the Cuyahoga river and all the big barges come in and the boats come in and all that other stuff. But they also got uh, a bulk storage of, uh, you know, like shell oil has got a big facility down there. This tanker was coming up the hill and was going to go out throughout the city, and the trailer flipped right over, as you can see in this right here, flipped right over among all the big buildings you know right there in downtown. Why I was going down there? you know well, it was still legal at that time and it, it's interesting because this person who wrote this uh and submitted it for submission along with this picture was was from the Northeast Ohio Regional Sewer District. So you've got a, f- a full gasoline tank truck laying on its side. It's below zero. Comes in at 7 o'clock at night. And it was like, what are we going to do? And the, the assistant chief coming in, because the battalion comes in, then the battalion gets an assistant chief also made a second alarm right away. So strategically, it was planned. We had the chance of knocking out a whole bunch of buildings, you know, if this thing would have lit off. So they surrounded this incident at a distance with engines, hooked them up to hydrants and just pointed their deck guns without throwing any water. But the foam blanket was laid all over the engine and all over the ground and all over the uh, fuel that had spilled out. Pulled up. Another tank truck right alongside as this other one's laying on the side. The two were bonded together and then grounded. And then they had uh, one of these companies come in. They brought their anti sparking uh, drills in and so forth. And we determined who's going to do what and how it's going to play out. So we had a hose line laying on the top of the tank while this gentleman from uh, uh, this uh, recovery company, he's got his big drill up there, and they're going to drill right into the tops of the tanks as as it's laying there. Yep. And so you had a guy handing up the tools, standing at about six six inches of gasoline. That was me. (laughs) That was my duty, and everyone else had backed away. So we got our nozzle man up there, and we just we because that was that was the game plan. I mean, limit everybody's exposure, you know. And we had enough foam. And the other thing about foam, Jer, you know, Jeff, is that you apply and you reapply. You apply and you reapply because you, my God, you know, we, we like I said, we were sloshing around, and it's you know your turnout gear. It's wicking it. So you gotta you've gotta have whatever do whatever you can. Again, this is nineteen eighty five. So anyways, the holes were drilled, the, the the tube was inserted in, and of course the tanker was offloaded to the waiting tanker. And it was it it went according to plan. We were so fortunate afterwards at the critique <laughs> they had shell oil with their recovery team there and they said boy guys you really did a great job the other people who were doing all this stuff and then you know all this was the barrier the way everything was set up the cops cording off the whole area that was really great we says well have you guys ever been involved with that before we says No, it was the first time we ever did it. It was like, oh, my God, you know. And, you know, you you talk about firemen having luck with them. I think that was one of those nights. But, uh, yeah, it was uh, really something to to do all that. And, you know, you're cutting into that trailer. Well, that was the idea of the hose, even with the the non-sparking drill bits and things like that. So that's where the training comes in. But until you do the real thing. You know, you just hope it goes according to plan, and yeah. uh, we lucked out. So
0: that's still a, the widely accepted practice, right, Jerry? Is to drill and pump off if the
2: yeah we is we, yeah we call it a stinger operation, and it it's aluminum tank, so it drills pretty yeah. easy. The yeah. grounding and bonding is what takes time because you yeah. gotta be if you're driving grounding rods and stuff. Uh, we look for utility poles. If there's a ground on that, we'll use the ground that's you know at the base of the utility pole um we i always quiz my hazmat guys we have two sets of dome clamps so jeff the the, the gasoline was probably coming out of the domes oh, on yeah. those yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, and jeff do you probably have them on your hazmat team as well there's it's kind of like a c clamp but it's a little bit right. different that so i always quiz the guys where are they you know well i'm not really go find them And there's, there's in the front compartment of each of our rigs is a set of dome clamps. Just for that reason, Uh, we used them probably about five years ago, we had a diesel truck overturn. It was a straight body diesel. We slapped those babies on. We're like, good. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Don't dome clamps. Yeah. So have they,
1: meaning the manufacturers of the trailers, have they created the dome clamps? So if the trailer does tip over, that the uh, domes don't get pushed by the product, pushed open?
2: I, yeah, I can't answer that. I, I know the yeah. domes are clamped down, but these are these are like free. You just clamp them on and screw them down. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I don't know. Maybe yeah. Jeff D. knows about more about domes than that.
0: Well, it, depending on the cap, they could be vented, depending on what their design mm-hmm. is for. And, you know, you're going to get leakage through the vents and, yeah, there's there's different applications for it. Yeah.
1: We just had that tank truck, you know, just a few miles down the road from my house here, Jeff. I called him yeah. that day to ask him if he had been on that call, where that tank truck loaded with oh several well seven thousand gallons. They said, yeah, of diesel fuel, went right over the bridge, and of course, you know, that, at that point, you know, well,
0: it's all over. But, yeah, yeah, and that was on a, the interstate highway. Yeah that was a light for a couple of hours it was burning oh, yeah. for a long time wow yeah tragic yeah well I think we've rounded out some uh, interesting interesting calls for uh, your engine company maybe it sparks a conversation or gets somebody thinking about something that they've done that that's a little bit left of center for an engine company but just be aware that, uh, like Jeff said, we're we're the heart of the fire department. And when somebody calls for help, it's usually the engine that's showing up first. And uh, guys got to be ready to make a plan quick with what you got, depending on what you're looking at. So anybody else got anything to add? If not, we're going to wind this up. Jerry, Jeff. Oh, I'm good. Chad, Michael. Okay.
4: How long have we been doing it? About an
0: hour. Yeah, About an, hour. an hour. About an hour already. Okay. All right. All right, well, guys, thanks for uh, adding what you had there. I uh, appreciate it, and uh, hope everybody else at home has got a chance to take something away. So um, you can still get us at uh, strategicfiretraining.com. Hit the contact. You can email us and or get us on Facebook. Yep, yep. All right.
1: Hope to see you guys in the future.
0: I'll be safe. All right. Take care. Bye.